you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of The Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z, and today was a historic day for Major League Baseball. Kim Ang is now officially the GM of the Miami Marlins, the first female general manager in Major League history, and congratulations to her. She's been knocking on the door for years. She's the assistant. She was the assistant GM of the LA Dodgers, the world champion LA Dodgers. And my only question is this Was this all part of Project Wolverine? Was it in that binder that Derek Jeter has behind his desk in Miami? I guess only time will tell. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes, flight crew through and crew, the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Hey, yeah, Jeter, uh, definitely making the right move here, given the time, given what's been going on in the country. Um, I doubt it was in his binder, uh, but (laughs) he definitely has the credentials to be successful in this position. Oh, 100%. Another thing that wasn't in his binder was Don Mattingly winning manager of the year, but we'll get to that later. It's time for the fade-in where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. But um, we're going to start right now with the Colts-Titans game last night, and frankly, I was a little surprised at the result. It was 34-17 in favor of the Colts. And Derrick Henry did not really get going. It was more of a defensive battle. The defensive lines had their way at points during the game. And Ryan Tannehill did not look great. Phillip Rivers didn't look that great either. He did well enough to win. But it was really about the Colts defense and the Colts running game. They really, they showed up and Naheem Hines had two touchdowns and Jonathan Taylor was moving the ball. They were aggressive on the Titans defense and ultimately they, uh, they doubled them up. Well, you could just tell that um, Indianapolis Colts came in there with a game plan. Uh, I think Vrabel was out coached last night. I think uh, Frank Wright came in there and was like, okay, yeah, we're going to go for it on fourth down. If we're in their territory around the 40-yard line, we're going for it. So be ready. Uh, We're going to run all three of our backs at him. We're going to do Wilkins. We're going to have Taylor. We're going to have Nahimes. We're going to go with whoever is getting us the most production. Phillip Rivers, do not turn over the football. We're going to play our defense. You know, Titans came down, first drive, scored a touchdown. Boom. Didn't phase them at all. The Titans came in and just were trying to do what they do every week. 
And I think Frank Reich realized, listen, we're this is a divisional game. We're going into their house. We're going to have to, you know, really stun them here. And I think they did. Yeah, absolutely. And we need to be very clear about this. There were three huge special teams gaffes on the part of the Titans that ultimately impacted this game in a huge fashion. You had that shanked punt by Trevor Daniel. <laughs> I mean, who's I a FedEx probably... driver a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> he might be a FedEx driver today. I haven't checked the waiver wire yet. Um, then they had the block punt, which, I mean, that was just a good scheme by the Colts. They exploited the, um, they exploited a gap and they just ran it back for a touchdown. And the last one, Steven Gustowski, that's his eighth miss this year. And they even openly brought it up on the broadcast last night. Troy Aikman said, yeah, I get it. You were teammates. I'm sure you love the guy. But at some point, you have to cut bait. After, I mean, how many more field goals does Gostkowski have to miss before you say, dude, enough is enough? It's funny. I was watching the game last night and, uh, you know, I was doing some research for our podcast tonight. And for some reason, I just felt like there's going to be a block punt in this game. And I literally were, was making sure that I stopped what I was doing to watch every single punt. Because <laughs> I just had a feeling there was going to be a punt block. And I mentioned it to my wife, too. I was like, I just feel like there's going to be a punt block tonight. I just, it just it has all the makings of it. And I, I love the Titans. I think Tannehill has done a great job. I do like Vrabel. Um, he could be controversial sometimes. Their defense is awful. Um, Derrick Henry is a man among he, – he, he's just unreal how good he is. But lack of special teams, gaffes will cost you games, will cost you playoffs, will cost you Super Bowls. They cannot trout out a kicker in the punt game or the field goal game with any confidence. No, none whatsoever. And, you know, this is the third punt in th- – uh, the third punter in three weeks – you know, that's got to be weighing on them. It was a new long snapper. You had a new kicker. I think the only holdover is the holder for the field goals and extra points. So, I mean, granted, I mean, they got hit hard once Brett Kern got hurt. But, you know, next man up, it's the NFL. You know how it goes. And one thing that last night I, I found myself, you know, because I talked to the TV. I know it's a bad habit. If the, the TV never talks back. But, as long as you um, don't throw anything out of you, all right. Yeah, a hundred percent. I got to pay for that TV. No, I'm not getting a new one. Absolutely not. But um, it really highlighted for me the argument that we had last week, uh, a couple weeks ago, about Kamara versus Henry. Who would you take? And Derrick Henry, like he is a one-dimensional back. He's very good at that dimension. But if he was able. If they were able to, you know, include him in the passing game a little bit, I don't think it would have been as easy of a game for the Colts. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely a better team when they're playing with a lead. Um, And you can tell even when, I think when they came out of halftime, they went into like a full passing mode. And I think McNichols came on the field to be the running back. Uh, because he's just a better, he's just a faster and a better pass catcher. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kamara K- could be your leading rusher, your leading receiver, and your le- your your leading um, uh, a receiving yards guy. That's not who Derrick Henry is, and that's okay. He doesn't have to be, but um, 
You but they, they probably should invest in a compliment if that's going to be the case. If you want to open things up a little bit for him, you know, you might want like they had Deion Lewis last year. Deion Lewis yeah. is now with the Giants. But, you know, you, you can't expect Derrick Henry to have 200 plus rushing yard games every single game. You know, eventually you, you need a change of pace back there. And No, but I also think it's a result of the scheme. Like the scheme they run is you know, we're, we're going to get a lead on you and we're going to run the football and our, and our defense is going to play defense. Like that's like, that's their scheme. So they're not necessarily thinking about times when they're going to play from behind, they're going to have to go to a third down set where it's third and 12, third and 15. Like in those situations, they're like, okay, we're going to punt. We'll play defense and get the ball back. Um, that's, that's not going to work against good teams and that's not going to work against good coaching. And that's what I'm trying to say. I really feel like, you know, Frank Wright coached for the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if they had a, a letdown next week. I mean, they even brought in Jacoby Brissett at one point to run a quarterback sneak and threw everybody off guard. Everybody was like, what's <laughs> going on right now? What is this guy doing? And he and he cycled his backs perfectly. I mean, Taylor is a stud running back. He was barely on the field last night. They were mo- mainly going with Hines. Um, Hines. Yeah, no, yeah. Hines had a great game last night. Taylor got the tough yards. Um, I was very surprised at how aggressive they were going for it multiple times on fourth down. Yeah, but he, just, uh, you he, know. Noticed the, he knew the moment. And and big letdown in the passing game. Like, you know, I, Corey Davis didn't do much. A.J. Brown, no. I think he had, like, maybe one or two receptions. Like, he's been catching bombs every week. Where was that guy? But it just, it's just it's just their defense. Like, they're – the Indianapolis Colts have the number one defense in the league for a reason. Um, it's surprising that they're available in most fantasy formats, and it's surprising that they're not getting more talk. And it might just have it just might have to do with the division they're in. But um, they play sound football. They don't even blitz a lot. Uh, they're great sideline to sideline, and uh, they don't give up the big play. It's that old cover two. <laughs> yeah, and you know. You know what beats a cover two though is a good tight end. So That's if right. You have, if That's you right. face a team in the playoffs with a good tight end, you're going to get shredded big yep. time. Yeah. But uh, you know it it goes to show you that offense though they didn't even need Jack Doyle. He was out. He was he no. didn't dress for the game. No, so they were. They were not doing they, it with they, T.Y. Hilton. And who was it? I think it was Michael Pittman was like their leading receiver. T.Y. Hilton really didn't even do much. They were giving it to Pittman on reverses. They were throwing him uh, across the middle slants. They were giving him flag routes, everything. And then when they got into the red zone, it's we're going to give it to the backs, pound the ball, throw the ball to the backs. Um, even uh, Trey Burton didn't really get that involved. I think he caught a pass or two. But they came in with a play, a, a, a game plan they executed. Like, they especially did. since they have Phillip Rivers. Like, Phillip Rivers is a veteran. If you give him a defense like that that's going to shut people out – he's the perfect person to run that kind of offense and to play in that kind of scenario. That's like, I, I mean, I would never mention Phillip Rivers in the same breath of Manning and Brady, but you, he almost uh, escalates to that level. If you give him that kind of defense where he can rely on it, like, okay, yeah, we didn't make it on fourth down. Not a big deal because my defense is going to stop you. And then I'm gonna get the ball back. Like being able to have that uh, bravado and being able to have that mentality makes him a better player yeah and it takes a lot of the pressure off for him to the point where in in san diego and in la he had to be the guy now you i mean 
again, game manager can sometimes be considered a dirty word, but all he has to do is manage the game yes. and not screw it up. Yeah. He's the more evolved form of Ryan Tannehill. And if Tannehill can get to that point, that makes him very, very dangerous. And if Phillip Rivers can stay upright and stay healthy, I mean, the Colts can definitely make some noise. Absolutely. They're, they're leading that division now. So anything can happen in the playoffs, but they really need to start involving their wideouts if they are going to put up the numbers necessary, you know? Well, they're my AFC championship pick. I have them going to the AFC championship game and losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I do have them going there. Yeah, that, is good. that would be a hell of a game. Absolutely. One, especially one, team, that, one team that's going to have a tough time getting into the uh, championship game is the Bucks because they just lost to the Saints twice, and the second time was worse than the first time. That was an ass whooping. Like, <laughs> you know, that just plain and simple. That was an ass whooping. They let you have three points. They let <laughs> you have three. And they could have they could have put your their foot on your throat and said, nah, we're it was 38 nothing, Chief. No. They let you <laughs> have that. Nothing, chief. <laughs> yeah. They let you have that. No. They looked like shit. The defense looked like shit. And Drew Brees had his way. And the defensive line had their way with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it is frightening. And you should be frightened if you're a Buccaneer fan because when you play, when they play good teams, they don't look that good. I don't want to say they're done, but it's going to just make it really hard for them because no matter what right now, they're going to be the wild card. They're going to have to go on the road and win playoff games. And, you know, two things that stood out for me in that game was, again, Sean Payton came in there with a game plan. He knows how to play against the Buccaneers. You know, I have my number one receiver back tonight. Everybody's touching the ball. Taysom Hill's going to pass the ball. He's going to run the ball. Drew Brees is going to throw the ball. I don't even need to throw the ball to Kamara that much tonight. And my defense is going to suffocate you. I'm going to suffocate you because you don't know what you're doing on defense and on offense. They yeah. couldn't even get a first down. They had, they had trouble getting first down. They had trouble making the simple passes, making the simple runs, making the simple plays. And you, one of the things we talked about last week was, oh, they have all these weapons. It's clear that they need Antonio Brown. It's clear more than ever. And then after the game, Bruce Arians wants to take a shot at you know Tom Brady saying, oh, I think he should have looked for Mike Evans more. We'll fucking run more plays for Mike Evans. Brady's probably going to try to hit the guy who's open. If Mikey ain't open, what do you want him to do? But that's the right. problem with the team is they only have one football and you got Godwin that's open or Godwin wants the ball. You got Mike Evans that's open. Mike Evans wants the ball. You got two good running backs. Rojo has proved that he can carry the rock. Fournette is is a first-round pick. He's a stud. And you have no identity offense. You don't even know what you're doing. What's the game plan this week? What's the game plan next week? They need to go back to the basics. Run the football you have two guys that are capable of toting the rock running on first down run on second down and if it's if it's not more than third and five run it on third down and then your defense will keep you in the games and you're when you run when you're gonna throw the ball mike evans is the guy okay he's been there for years run the offense through mike evans the backup is gronkowski and then if you want to look for godwin or antonio brown on certain plays or specific plays to give them three or four receptions a game you do that. But the game plan they have right now is a, is awful. And I don't know if it's on Byron Leftwich. I don't know if it's on Bruce Arians. But someone needs to take accountability. 
Brady's walking up there saying it's all falling on me, it's all falling on me, he's taking all the blame. But guys, this is ridiculous. Like it's not that difficult. We're gonna talk later about how they're playing the Panthers this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers beat their ass. It wouldn't surprise me at all because at the end of the day, that the Carolina Panthers have a game plan. They have a vision. They have an identity. They know who they are. One hundred percent. They, I mean, in the beginning, Brady was seemed very content to make this New England South. You know, run the ball, and then set up a play action. Maybe get Gronk. Maybe get Evans. Now, like you said, especially since that Rojo fumble, the line of demarcation was that Rojo fumble. And it's it's not that they're – maybe they're not scared off of Rojo, but they're definitely not running the ball as often as they should be, to your point. Um, well, it just goes – you know, you got, you got Rojo looking over his shoulder, and he should look over his shoulder. He's got Leonard Fournette on yeah. the sideline. Like he's – like Rojo's got to play like mistake-free football. How, how does that make him feel? Instead of you going in, I mean, instead of you going in with a game plan saying, yo, you're getting 20 touches tonight and Fournette's getting the goal line carries. That's how we're going to play it. Think about those old Bucks teams when they had Warwick Dunn and Mike Allstock. Warwick Dunn was the guy doing all the shifty work all the way up until like within the 10 yard line. And then it was Mike Allstock and nobody could stop Mike Allstock. <laughs> no, that's true. And at the end of the day, to the, the most important thing that we need to remember is that there is only one ball. You know, Gronk, he's he's fine getting his touches now. Uh, Antonio Brown is being worked into things. Mike Evans, you know, like you said, you have to game plan to get him into the game. You know, he's going up against Junoris Jenkins or he's going up against Malcolm Jenkins. You know, maybe there's another Jenkins I'm missing. Uh, <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe there's Roscoe Jenkins. I don't, I don't know. But, um, you know, you have to game plan him open. You have to scheme it open. Yeah, you got to scheme it. And the other yeah. thing is, is, like, the offense has no rhythm. There's no. no rhythm. The first three or four drives was like three and out. It's like, guys, what are we talking about on the sideline? Like, what are we doing? Why is it that we can't run a run play and get, get eight yards? You're telling me that Fournette and Rojo can't get eight yards on a, on a, on a handoff on first or second down? Like, what, what are we just highlight reeling it? Come on, guys. Like, it's very simple. You, you, you see teams – even as, as basic as the Browns or even like the Tennessee Titans, they knew they know who they are. First down, you see them go to John New Smith over the middle for like five yards where he just runs five yards, stops and catches the ball. Now we're in a second and five. Now we're the most dangerous team we could be because we can run our receivers downfield. We could run Derrick Henry over you. We have everything we need. You got Brady dropping back, throwing bombs, He's thrown more bombs this year than the last couple of years he's ever did in New England. And when you look at him now, he doesn't look like the same player he was in New England. It's not because he's 43 years old. It's because of his offense. Like, you see him running right and throwing back left. When have you ever seen Brady do that with all his years in New England? It was drop back five yards, hit your spot, hit the open guy. He's not open. Look at number two, look at number three. Now he's yep. scrambling. It's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, and it and it falls on the coach. It falls on the coaching staff. It doesn't fall on the players. No, ultimately, if this is the game plan, Tom Brady is executing a flawed game plan, a hundred percent. We talked about it early that you know, based on the success, if they were successful, Byron Leftwich would be looking at co- head coaching positions. 
the way things are going now, he's on the chopping block. You know, he's his performance in terms of game planning and scheming would probably get him fired. Yeah, I mean, so, who's Scotty Miller? Why is Scotty Miller catching balls? Like, what are we doing? Like, are, is, does he have some kind of incentive in his contract? Like, why is this guy even on the field? And granted, I'm not trying to take a shot at Scotty Miller, but it's like, don't you understand that maybe teams are making you throw to Scotty Miller? Like they're trying to take they're, they're taking your superstars away, or are you really drawing up plays for Scotty Miller? Like, what, is that really what's happening right now? Honestly, oh, yeah. it's valuable ball this week. Like, but, but that's the thing; they were most effective when they were doing that because it played to Brady's strengths. Like he was in New England when you had Wes Welker, the little shifty guy who can who goes over the middle, who's willing to go over the middle and get those tough yards. And then Welker begat Edelman, yeah. And now and Amendola, and yeah. now you have this guy. That's just that's Brady's strength, and they need to be playing towards that. Yeah. Having Brady go deep is just not a smart decision. No. It's just not what he's good at. Run a modified West Coast offense, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, and have him run, run the ball on occasion with Rojo just to change the pace a little bit, run, you know, bust the, bust a hole with Leonard Fournette and then just keep matriculating the ball down the field, work it down the field and then eat up the clock. Yeah. I mean, what you're, what you're suggesting would work as well. Um, but establish your one game, establish yeah. your one game. 100%. Like, you got Antonio Brown running downfield in double coverage and you're tossing the ball up to him in the middle of the field. Like really? Like where no. come what come what came what happened to the days when you would throw the ball away, or throw the ball down because you knew knew nobody was open? You taking chances for what? You're playing at home, you're you're playing Drew old man Drew Brees made look Drew Brees look like so great, walked into your house and said this is my house. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking I think about, we have walking, to put, I think we have to put the argument about Drew Brees being a dome quarterback to bed for a little while. I'm not putting it to bed. I really think they came in with a game plan. He didn't He didn't light it up. He didn't really do anything outside of what he's capable of doing. What happened over the weekend was is that Mike Thomas is back. Mike Thomas changes that on offense tremendously. They have to account for him. Even they used all their weapons. They came in there. They knew what they were going to do, and they were the better team on the field that day. Speaking for sure. About, speaking about people being on the field – you know, we had an incident over the weekend where Notre Dame upset uh, number four, Notre Dame upset number one, Clemson. And during this whole COVID pandemic, all the students stormed the field, uh, creating a lot of heat and a lot of um, attention in the media. Uh, so I'd ask you, uh, what do you think of it? And do you think anything should be done to Notre Dame? Well, I remember in the pregame press conference, I don't remember what day it was, Brian Kelly kind of foreshadowed this where he said, I could see fan, I could see fans storming the field after we win. And nice one, Bri. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's akin to, to starting a riot. You know, you're you are endorsing that behavior at that point when you're saying stuff like that. I don't think the NCAA can come down on the players per se, because yeah, I mean, you're going to penalize them for winning the game. Eh, that's a bad look. I mean, the NCAA, we don't, there's a reason why we don't talk much college football on this show because the NCAA is a friggin' joke. But that's neither here nor there. They can, however, 
come down on Brian Kelly for being an idiot and inciting this. So I think they could probably levy a nice hefty fine towards Mr. Kelly and uh, maybe he'll change his tune moving forward. I think there's a lot of things at play here. Um, The first thing I'm going to tackle is this was number four Notre Dame beating number one Clemson, who was out there starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. You're Notre Dame. Why are you storming the field? It's not like you're unranked. It's not like you're a bad team. You should have walked into this game thinking and knowing you were going to win. Okay? That's number one. Number two, I think there's a lot of people at fault here. I mean, first of all, why are there so many people in the stands taking what's going on? Okay? And even if you're going to allow people to be in the stands, there cannot be any chance that you let people storm the field in this fashion, no matter what happens. There had, there had to be a conversation before, and there had to be ramifications let known to all the students after. And the fact that Notre Dame athletic director and president, I'm not leaving Jenkins out of this, did not account for this situation and did not have a plan Man, sanctions, fines, jobs. Like, uh, Swarbrick is the AD. Like, where, where are you? Where yeah. are you? Come on. You haven't heard I anything. I think we talked about we talked about this in the in the you know production meeting. But they're lucky there wasn't any positive test. Yeah, they're lucky they- because all those kids went to school the next day or the day after. And it's going to go around. And, you know, we don't we just we don't know enough about this thing to just shrug this off and be like, all right, yeah, well, it was a big win. So we really can't say anything about it. And I agree with you. It's, it's not it's not on the team and it's not even on the players. It's on management. Yeah, it's on, it's on the people. Like I send my kid to school there. You, granted, they're 18, 19, 20, 21. I'm watching that game at home. I'm losing my mind. Losing my mind watching that. You were recruited in college, right? You had somebody come to your house. You had Something. a coach come to your house. Some, yes, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. And what what was the first thing that they said to your mom? Oh, man. We're going to take, take care of you. Care. We're going to take care of your kid. We're going to take care of your kid. His best Bullshit. You want bullshit or no shit? Bullshit. We're going to take care of your kid. We're going to take care of our coffers. We're going to take care of our pockets. And we really don't care if your kid gets COVID. You got what? the Big Ten canceling games. The, the Wisconsin football team can't even get on the field. And you have, I don't know, what, 10,000, 15,000, whatever people running onto the field after the game? Come on. Yeah. Come there's, on. One, there's one thing we guaranteed with this is that when basketball season starts, there ain't going to be anybody in there. No way. No way. No way. Nope. No way. You shut that down. And if they are – you put them in the upper decks or you put them in the yeah. second level. Nobody in the hundred section. Nobody's in the singles. Like the fact that you didn't have a plan, like, uh, and granted, it's not like the game ended in right. Didn't the game go into overtime? The game went to overtime. It went to overtime. So, yeah, it did. So now you, so now not only is the game not ending in the fourth quarter, now you have the chance to maybe round everybody up, maybe create a game plan. So, you know what? We might win this thing. What are we what are we gonna do if XYZ happens? Like the fact that no there's not a discussion and and nothing and nothing was prevented, reckless, dangerous, terrible. Short sighted. 
No, short-sighted, absolutely short-sighted and disingenuous. I'll throw that one in there too. And greedy. It's, it's all it's about is greed. Yeah, I don't mind, you know, I, and listen, I don't mind, like, listen, everybody's got to make their money. You know, the Big Ten, you know, pushed back the season. Um, uh, SEC wanted to start right away. Uh, it's fine. You want to, but, but this is just negligent. This is just absurd. Like, one of the things you talked about was how you were going to be so safe with the players and so safe with contact. And, you know, you were going to make, you were going to make this, uh, uh, you know, a positive experience to the best of your ability. <laughs> Where? How? Right. But Where here's the thing. Here's the thing. What's the operative word there? Players. They don't give a fuck about the fans. The yeah. fans are the marks. They're the ones <laughs> who pay. <laughs> the fans are the marks. That's the, and, that's the thing. They're reaching into your pocket and taking your money. And they don't give a goddamn what happens to you. Yeah. So I mean, next it, time, think about that before you decide to go to a football game or a baseball game or, or a hockey game or anything. They don't really care about you. In most cases, in in most cases, you know, COVID is not, you know, deadly. But it could be. It it is a. It is something that passes on to people at a rapid pace, and it could pass on to somebody that it could hurt. And that's what you're you're ultimately trying to prevent, especially since Clemson's going to get on a plane after the game and go to South Carolina and go to their campus. One hundred percent. And you know what? Yeah. We're having the same issue. This is a cascading issue throughout the NCAA. Alabama's not playing this weekend. LSU's not playing this weekend. Ohio State's not playing this weekend. Texas A&M, Georgia, um, Pittsburgh, Memphis, Gardner-Webb, Auburn. All of these teams have something in common. They're not playing this weekend. They were either postponed or outright canceled. So if you are the head of the NCAA, what are you doing? Like how how are you approaching this? Yeah, I mean the thing is, is I don't know what the answer is. Um, it, it's almost making me think maybe they were all better off starting early than starting later. You know, you have the Pac-12 and you have the Big Ten starting later, and like we talked, I just talked about earlier, a team like Wisconsin can't even get on the football field. Like yeah. they had so such an outbreak on their campus. And with their players, see, it's I think it's different in the NBA, it's different in the NBA and it's different in the NFL because there there are so many precautions taken, and for the most part, the players are more responsible adults. Now, mm-hmm. granted, some of them are still you know kids or have the mindset of a kid, but they're they're responsible adults. There's millions of dollars at play here, okay? And you know, you get a situation like Justin Turner where oh, in the eighth inning, it's a positive test, take him off the field now, like. You know, there's there's more workarounds there, but these are college kids. They're going to class, um, and even if yep. they're not going to class, they're they're definitely going to practice, and the chances of spread are there. So, I mean, for me, I I, I don't know what the answer is. Like the other problem is, is in, in college you got a key team like Clemson who who just lost their game, right? So. Yeah, uh, Clemson might have a chance to still make the national championship, but they've got a you know, they've got Trevor Lawrence, who who could possibly go number one overall. So for him, it's like, gee, do I even bother coming back this year? I mean, I, I had COVID, and uh, you know why would I why would I put my why would I put myself at risk? And you had the number one team in the country going to Notre Dame, playing without their starting quarterback. Well, where's the competition in that? Like you're. 
I'm not saying I'm not saying throw the season away, but I'm saying you when you when someone wins this year's championship, is it somewhat tainted that you know Big Ten school like Wisconsin only gets to play six games? Like, right? I don't know. It, I mean, it's difficult to say because I mean, if we want to do a quick comparison, like like when the end when Major League Baseball had its issues with the virus just running roughshod over its league. You had the Marlins miss 18 games, you know, <laughs> they missed 18 games. So, and they ultimately made the playoffs. So it's one of those things that, you know, you can, you can kind of manipulate the schedule as it goes. You can't manipulate the schedule because everybody started at different times and your, I mean, everything is on a state by state basis. So it becomes an issue of, is the NCAA just willing to bury its head in the sand get as far as you can with the playoff, just get four teams, put them in a bubble, and then just run with that. And I think that would probably be the best case scenario for them. Because at the end of the day, you get your season, like that's done. You, you're going to get your playoff. You're going to get your national championship. Yeah. You may not necessarily get all the bowl games that come with that just because of the situation. And frankly, I don't think you should. I mean, I don't think you need, what is it, like 30-something bowl games or something like that. That's absurd to begin with. But I think they would just settle for, you know, even if they do like a modified thing this year where it's just for this year they expand the college football playoff to the top eight teams. Yeah. Maybe they'll do something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's even a part of me that wonders if maybe like a round-robin conference um, uh, tournament happened Mm -hmm. and maybe the winner of that you know, got to got to go to some kind of playoff. Like, yeah. that's the other thing I was thinking, especially in the beginning when you knew the Pac-12. In the beginning, the Pac-12 was canceled their season. Right. And, and then the Big Ten canceled their season. Like, you could have gotten together with the SEC. Or the SEC could have gotten together with the ACC and whatever and said, hey, listen, let's just both have tournaments, you know, from Jump Street because we're only playing each other once anyway. And the winner of that tournament will face your team in the championship. And then once the Big Ten said, oh, you know what? We want to play and the Pac-12 want to play. Like, okay, guys, do like tournaments within right. your within your thing. And so that once a team loses, they're out. It's not even like we're going to keep playing. So it's less teams that got to kind of juggle around. And I know it might sound silly that a team's only going to play one or two games. But like I said, some, some schools are having trouble getting on the field every week, man. University of Florida, I'm looking at you. Yeah. Right? It's ridiculous, but oh, okay. you know they're just you know at the end of the day, it's I mean it's too big of a thing. It's too big to right. to larger. go with. It's yeah. also it's a lot larger than you know the NFL where yeah. you you got you got a lot of players and and they're going on campus like they're on. A that's campus. the thing. They're not like, going home. <laughs> right. They're that not- that's that is the big issue that i don't think is being talked about enough is that you know you say what you will about student athletes you know yeah they're not really yeah they're not really students they don't go yeah whatever they i remember luis flores he used to play for the houston rockets i went to manhattan college i saw him in class the guy was there so you know some of the some of them actually do attend class boys and girls but that's the thing they're attending class and if they're asymptomatic or if they're in contact with somebody who's asymptomatic, now you kind of you set the dominoes going. And now 
we're two weeks away from Thanksgiving and you could possibly give it to your mom, your grandma, your drunk uncle, right. whoever. And that's what you worry. And that's the, and that's the whole thing. That's what you worry about, right? You're hundred percent worrying about who is it going to spread to? It's not, it's not necessarily about people. I mean, of course we don't want anybody to die, but it's, a, nope. it's about, it's about, we don't really want this to spread to the wrong person. hundred um, percent. And I think, uh, you know, I, it, it was a valiant effort to try to get this done. But at the end of it, you got people opting out. You got people getting sick. You can't play games. I, I don't know how you're really crowning a champion after all this. You know, even the NFL is starting to put in protocols where, like, listen, I don't know if we're going to get all 16 games in. So yeah. let's uh, let's have a plan to start the playoffs early, if you know what I mean. And yeah. wink, wink. Because – right. If you got a team like, I don't know, like the Jets, who's 0-10, guys, go home. Go home. <laughs> go home. It's okay. Like, we don't – because really, because you're going to have you're gonna have players in there that are like, do I really care? Like, I'm right. tired of wearing this mask. I'm tired of walking into, like, plastic bubbles. We're 0-10. I don't care. In fact, I hope I get it. <laughs> So I don't have to play in the shit. So I don't gotta anymore. play anymore. Like you're right. gonna get, and I think you're gonna get into that situation where maybe the Jets. I, I don't know what their schedule's like, but if they gotta play like a team like the Steelers, is like, man, we could really screw their season. <laughs> right. Exactly. We might not beat them on the field, but we'll beat them in another way. Like. Right. Exactly. And, and Ben has already been in the COVID uh, protocol this week, so. You and know, I'm not saying I'm not saying anybody would have that malicious in, intent, but no. it's just. The idea of letting your guard down, like I'm going to take my mask off to go to Wendy's or McDonald's or Home Depot and mm-hmm. and just I don't get I'm the I'm the third running back on the team. Like, I don't really care. Like you just it's things like that where you just don't know. Right. Or if you're live if you're living in a state where things aren't as strict. Yeah. And you don't have to like Colorado right now. It's blowing up. So if you if you are the the backup kicker at the University of Northern Colorado, and then you go and play whoever, and then they Your get girlfriend they, wants you know, to come over that night. It's like, yeah, well, I don't care. We're, I'm not yeah. asking her where she's been. No, <laughs> I, I'm just glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Absolutely. Speaking of college players and college athletes. It's almost time for the NBA draft. I believe it is next Wednesday. And this is going to start the chain of events that ultimately co- you know, that ultimately culminates in the start of the season on December 22nd. So there is a lot, a lot of stuff that needs to happen between now and then. But speaking of the NBA draft, who are the three most intriguing prospects for you? Minnesota has the number one pick you also have golden state at number two and you know you, you have some of the usual suspects in there the knicks the Cavs. you know who's who do you see as being the three most intriguing prospects and where do you see them going i mean there's a lot of players i actually like and it's just based off really watching the last two years of uh college basketball and clearly you know obviously this this past season was cut short um but for me um, I really like Anthony Edwards. He's a six-five uh, uh, guard from Georgia. Uh, he averaged nineteen and five. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Dwayne Wade. I don't know if he has that. Uh, if he has that extra gear, I don't know if he can really carry a team 
in his first or second year, but he definitely has all, all the tools to do so. Um, the second guy I like is I really like James Wiseman. That's the, the center out of Memphis. Uh, mm-hmm. Big dude, 7-1. Uh, he only actually played a couple of games for Penny Hardaway. Uh, there were some allegations made against him. Uh, but he he averaged 19 and 10 when he did play. Uh, I, I think I think any team would really benefit from his services. And uh, my favorite guy in the draft is uh, Obi Toppin. Obi mm-hmm. Toppin from Dayton, who averaged 20 and 7. He's a guy who protects the rim. And he could shoot from outside the three-point line. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people like are saying, oh, LaMelo Ball. And I'm not really into the Ball family at all. I don't really care for them. Um, some other outside guys who I think could make a difference, like I think uh, Cole Anthony would be a great pick for the, the, the Nets. Uh, he's the guard from North Carolina. He's actually Greg Anthony's son. Um, and Trey Jones, I think, was one of the best basketball players in college basketball you know college basketball last season uh the, the guard from duke uh he'll probably drop a little bit but you know he he's a guy that could make a team like um he can make the team like the nets really good too all great picks all good uh you know all good players you know that that's the thing we we have seen a bunch of these guys already and I am intrigued by Wiseman as well, just because I didn't see that much of him. You know, what you saw, you know, it was good, but can he hold up? Player can, can he do more? Yeah, player comparisons. He reminds me a lot of Anthony Davis, um, just because he's just got he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of talent. He could be coached um, for sure, but I, I do need to see more, just because you saw so little. You right. know, yeah, and, and he's a kid. You know, he's young. He, he's still a kid. He's absolutely a kid. And that's the one thing that intrigues me is that we've only scratched the surface. Like he could be, he could be the next great big man, but we got to see it. I got to see it on the court. And he could be drafted as early as what, like two to go to like golden state. If you can believe it, it's possible, but I can also see them flipping that pick and taking Wiseman for somebody else. So that's all within the realm of possibility. And we'll, you know, we, we could do a little bit more of an NBA draft, like machinations kind of thing later. But, you know, it, it is very intriguing because you have teams that, you know, especially like the Golden State Warriors, you're going to want somebody who's ready made and ready to go. So that there's some little wrinkles in there. Another guy that I'm intrigued by, I mean, I'm always intrigued by the foreign players because, you know, you don't see them. You only see what's on, you know, what's on ESPN leading up to the draft. So the highlight tapes or if you ever like sometimes Maccabi Tel Aviv is on if they're playing like an international game or something like that. But I'm intrigued by Killian Hayes. Supposedly he is one of the most NBA ready players. I know you love as, that tough Tel Aviv channel. I mean, we really oh, good on that. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> it, well, it's funny. It, it's on the Yes Network after the Yankee game at like one o'clock in the morning. It's Maccabi Tel Aviv today. Maccabi! So, Maccabi! Maccabi! So, you know, Killian Hayes out of France, I mean, a point guard, French you automatically mentally go to Tony Parker. So if this guy is anywhere near as good as Tony Parker, that's a stud. He could be Frank Milikina, though. 
That's the thing. We don't know. And that's the, that's the problem. We have Who I get here, Frank or Tony? Yeah, I'm hoping for, I'll take Ricky Rubio at that point. I'll, I'll take Ricky. Give me, Rick, give me Ricky and give me Tony. Just don't give me Frank. And the last one that I'm interested in is also Obi Toppin. Because guy's a stud power forward, can score, can defend. And Brooklyn. my question is, 100%. And you got to wonder, you know, University of Dayton, you're not playing the best competition just because it's it's A10. So, you know, what's that going to translate to in the NBA? He played well right. in the NCAA tournament, though. Like, oh, he okay. got his numbers. He, he's a big guy. He's a 6'9". Yeah. He's a big dude. Right. But we'll see what happens when – I mean, it's always – I always have like this argument with you about Reggie Bush, the men among boys thing. Is Obi <laughs> Top, was Obi Toppin a, men, a man among boys? No. And we're going we're gonna to find out. No. But give us that. credit, boys and girls. We did not talk LaMelo Ball. Not we at did all. Not, no. We did not take the easy way out. Not interested. And neither should you. And I. No interest. No interest. <laughs> but, well, um, speaking of interest, yeah. there is a rumor going around of Chris Paul going to Phoenix. I was doing the NBA trade tracker, you know, the NBA trade machine, and uh, – trying to put it together because you know you have to make the finances match and i don't see it man you gotta you're probably gonna have to trade some of that young core to make this happen and i don't know if phoenix is willing to stomach that i like it i don't love it i really would like to see cp3 go to a team like the box i think he would be uh so good for them if especially if they're not going to trade any of their pieces you know, at the end of the day, CP3 just makes teams better, right? You know, you saw what he did with OKC. I thought OKC was dead in the water. I didn't even know why he yep. went there. They make the playoffs, and they're, like, contending with teams. Like, they're beating people. Um, and then, you know, when you think about two years ago, a few years ago, he almost got the Rockets to the NBA Finals. is because he hurt his hamstring that they didn't That's go true. to the NBA Finals. They were going to beat the Golden State Warriors, believe it or not. Um, yeah. And then you think about Lob City. I mean, it's not Lob City without CP3. Um, he's always been I, – I always – you know, to me, he was a dirty player. Um, but <laughs> he's a good player. Like, no, I, I never liked his brashness. I remember he used to give Jason Kidd a hard time. He used to play against him. And he used to make fun of mock people when he'd play. I, I never liked that about him. But the guy could ball. I mean, he can hit that foul line jumper. He finds the open guy. He can hit threes. Uh, he he's fantastic. Uh, he would do good things for Phoenix if he was able to get there. You know, Booker would be able to move over to the two guard. He, uh, PG would run the uh, pull. Um, not PG. CP three could run the point. Um, yeah. but uh, it'd be interesting to say the least. Ultimately, I mean, just to make the pieces work, Ricky Rubio would have to go back the other way. I don't think that's such a bad thing. Uh, you get a you know a veteran point guard, and that could help steady the ship in Oklahoma City. But then somebody else has to go. I mean, you're not going to gut your entire team. I don't think Oklahoma City is going to want to take six guys from your team to make the finances work. So that leaves a guy like Kelly Ubra. You know, Kelly Ubra makes a hell of a lot of money. So you know you're going to have to make an unpopular decision if you are the GM of the Phoenix Suns. So. I, I just don't see it working. I mean, it could work. I mean, in terms of fit, but I don't see in terms of the finances. I think they're going to have to involve a third team. And I don't know who that would be. 
to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so you have to find being... somebody who's looking to dump expiring contracts. Uh, Bingo. Like the Knicks. Uh, you know, it's been reported that Russ uh, and James Harden don't really want to play together anymore. And I don't even think it's that they don't want to play together anymore. I just think they don't they don't see the direction of the Rockets anymore. Like Daryl Morey's not there. He brought them in. Uh, they bring in Paul Silas's son to be the coach, and it's just like, well, well, what what's the offense gonna be like? Well, what are we doing here? And you know, Daryl Morey's trying to get James Harden to come to 76ers. I think trading uh, Ben Simmons for him would be fair because, especially if Houston wants to keep Russell Westbrook, that's fine because Russ is gonna get his shots. But then yeah. another place that makes sense for Russell Westbrook is the New York Knicks. Because the New York Knicks have so much expiring contracts. They can get rid of uh, all that, send them to Houston, take Russ. Now you got a you got an all-star who play he would he would adapt to this city in a minute and he could take forty shots a game, which he would love. And you can't I don't know if you could build a team around him, but you could definitely put some players around him and, and try to be the eighth seed. He certainly isn't going to make R.J. Barrett a better player. He's certainly not going to make Mitchell Robinson a better player. Frank Nielakeen is a lost cause. Kevin Knox stinks. The, the Knicks, I mean, Julius Randle is probably the third best player on this team. So in terms of building a team around Russ, I mean, it, it all depends on what they're asking for in the trade back. You know, if I'm Leon Rose and they ask for RJ Barrett or Mitchell Robinson, I'm hanging up the phone. <laughs> screw you. you. What? <laughs> screw, I, I, who is this? Screw I, you. I, it, I, you're breaking up. You're, you're breaking up. But um, yeah, no, Fuck I, off. I think they, have, <laughs> they have a good thing going, you know, and I don't think it's got to be your fault. It's got, it's your bowl. You can stick your hand up your butcher. You can look at a T-bow. No, I messed it up. Nope. No, that's not it. Chicken wing. No, man. But, yeah, I mean, this is the typical petulant diva athlete attitude. You haven't even had a practice yet. You might not even have met this guy because he was an assistant for the Mavericks. So you may not even know this dude. No. And it's just like, I don't no. want to play with him. It's just, but it's just not. No, it's, just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. He ain't going to listen. He, they're not going to listen to him. I don't even know how much they really listen to D'Antoni. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's, it's, just the, it's just the best idea. We just, let's just squash this whole thing and just start over. Trade but I, I think, but that's the, that's the ridiculous part about this. It's just like, you haven't even met the guy and you're like, nope. No, moving on. It's kind of like the Timberwolves situation. They got a young kid as their coach, and they got young players that actually, he's, you know, they're they're playing hard for him. But you know, yeah. is he gonna is he gonna be able to coach a James Harden? I mean, come on, you know, he, no way, no, no, absolutely. I mean, James Harden is a he's at this point he's a veteran. He's set in his ways. There's only so many people that can actually handle that. You know, there's only there are only so many coaches that can put James Harden in check. And Doc Rivers is one of them. Yeah. You know? Ryan, I, I mean, Ryan, well, Ryan maybe not put him in check so much as enable him. Ryan so Saunders is the coach of the Timberwolves. I think his father. Yeah, Flip's Flip. kid. Yeah, and it's like he ain't going to, you know, a young kid like that, they're not going to listen to him. They're going to no railroad him, you know. But you know what? If they trade Russ or Harden to the Knicks, they're not going to listen to Tom Thibodeau either because they Thibodeau wants him to play defense. Oh, I don't know. I, you know, 
Thibodeau gave those guys in Minnesota a real hard time for not listening to him, which is one of the reasons why he didn't work out up there. But, right. uh, yeah, I agree with you. It could be a clash of personalities with them, too. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, But, 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 but like I said, line. Russ is going to get his, and that's all yeah. Russ cares about. So, And if that's the case, you know where he needs to go? Brooklyn. Because then you got Durant, oh and you got Kyrie. You got three guys who just want there. <laughs> and it would be perfect. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He can be a coach. Just like them. <laughs> Speaking of guys who got theirs, MLB released their awards this week. Um, some of the headlines were Coach of the Year, Kevin Cash in the American League, Don Mattingly in the National League, MVP, Freddie Free uh, in, the, uh, in the NL, uh, Jose Abreu, surprisingly, in the AL, uh, Cy Young, uh, NL, Trevor Bauer, everyone knew that was going to happen, and the Cy Young in the AL, uh, Shane, ba- Shane Bieber. Not Justin. Uh, got it. There. Unanimous. So unanimous. Uh, what, what, were your, what were your thoughts on the the awards that were handed out? Ultimately, I can't qualm with any of them. I mean, they they all performed well, and it wasn't a thing where, you know, in the past you've had that sabermetric statistical argument where you're splitting it down to such minute detail to where a guy like Felix Hernandez and a guy like Jake DeGrom, who only wins 10 games, you know, they do, they get the big prize at the end of it. And Trevor Bauer deserved it. I'm a Met fan. And Trevor Bauer deserved to, to win the Cy Young this year. He pitched his ass. 1.73 ERA, 100 strikeouts in 11 games. That's in the great American ballpark That's where amazing. you can throw the ball over the fence. That's amazing. Well, he so. can throw the ball over any fence. He's proven that. We've seen that, you know, t- 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 Terry Francona in general, in, in particular, knows <laughs> that he can do that. Um, the the most know? surprising one, the, the most surprising one was Don Mattingly, to be honest with you. He but when you take, Oh, totally. No, but this guy, uh, I mean, he totally like deserved said it. Before earlier, he, uh, he had to get guys off the street to play for the team for a couple of weeks. <laughs> they made the playoffs. I, I was tempted, man. I mean, I, I heard there was an open tryout. I was tempted to go down. It would have been great. Let's do it. You guys hop in a van and we're going to go down to Miami. Let's go. Let's go. It's like the Bad News Bears. Let's English? do this shit. See. All right. You can play. Sounds like a Marlin already. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I am – I mean, he deserved it 100%. Am I surprised that they went with him over Dave Roberts? Probably. But it's not a it's not a postseason award. It's a regular right. season. Right. That was award. the same thing. So, a lot of people had gripes with Kevin Cash, but people it's a it's a regular season award. I mean, the regular season, this guy took one of the worst payrolls and he was he was the number one seed. Like he did what he was supposed to do. Absolutely. And you know what? At the end of the day, the Miami Marlins are on a sta- a stable and steady track, and they're gonna make some noise. And Don Mattingly deserves credit for that. I have killed Don Mattingly as a manager. I think he was highly overrated, but this year he finally earned it. Because you finally stash, earned my... well, say again? You miss his stash, that's why. Oh, yeah, he definitely needs that mustache. Yeah, he definitely needs to grow it back. You know, same thing with Keith Hernandez. You need to have that just that luscious flow under your nose, you know? But, um, but and yeah, then, Don... you, I mean, for me, I uh, remember we, you know, we were talking about this in the production meeting in the beginning. I was upset that uh, Brayu won the AL MVP. I thought LeMahieu or even Jose 
Ramirez deserved it more than him. But then when you look at the numbers, the man had a 317 average with 19 home runs and 60 RBI in 60 games. That's amazing. <laughs> no, Jose, Jose Abreu has been raking for years, but it's about time that he finally gets credit for it. It was his best and, season since his rookie season, and the rookie season he won the rookie of the year. <laughs> yeah, right. So the guy is incredibly talented, and to be honest with you, LeMahieu, LeMahieu had a great year. Let, let's be honest. I, to me, it's between the two of them. Jose Ramirez, you had a fine year, but to me, it's between LeMahieu and Jose Abreu, and Jose Abreu, he just, he stood out among the rest of them, you know? Like, he just, like, you watched for Jose Abreu, you feared Jose Abreu, and the White Sox are better because of it. You can take, it's it's most valuable player. If you take Jose Abreu off that team, they're probably not going. Listen, you take, but DJ, you take DJ LeMay, yeah. but you take DJ off the Yankees, and they can, they're still fine. I see. I disagree with that. I think DJ was so clutch and he won the batting title. Like, the dude is going to be highly regarded in free agency this year. Like, he's a, he, he, he really deserved it, but he didn't have the numbers. He didn't have the numbers of Jose Abreu. <laughs> Jose right. Abreu and, was unreal. Like, in 60 games, that's amazing. Right. But you also have to take you do have to take into account you know what what does valuable mean because think about it A Rod won AL MVP on a last place team so how valuable was he on that team he wasn't you know yeah, he's not, he still isn't valuable he's not, he's not valuable to ESPN he's still the second he's not valuable to still the second best person in his current relationship <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing you know you have to well, what does valuable mean to me is that if you take him off that team. Your team goes in the shitter, and I don't think DJ LeMahieu leave, being off the Yankees puts them in a total tailspin. Fair enough. Swipe left or swipe right? So, boys and girls, we are going to debut a new segment this week <laughs> in honor of online dating. Many of you are on there. Tinder, Farmers Only, Christian Mingle, all, all of that. Farmers Our Only has got to be amazing. <laughs> Farmers Only must be great. It absolutely must be. If you can wrestle a bear, or maybe, you Who's know, I can bail Farmers with... Only. That's got to be amazing. <laughs> we got to see, you know. Lots of women in Daisy Dukes with the wheat hanging out of their mouths, you know, like out of the corner. <laughs> but in the spirit of the online dating community, we're going to do swipe left or swipe right. With specific matchups, if we don't like them, we're, swip- we're swiping left. And if we like them, we are swiping right. So the first matchup this week is Dalvin Cook versus the Bears. And I'm swiping right on this one. Dalvin Cook cannot be stopped right now. He is one of the, if not the best running back this season. And all he has to do is find a hole in that Bears defense and he can keep the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands, which will allow the Vikings to possibly win this game. I like this matchup. I'm swiping right. I'm swiping right, too. Uh, in my opinion, he should be the MVP. I don't want to hear any more talk about quarterbacks. I want to hear about Russell Wilson. I want to hear Ben Roethlisberger. I want to hear about Tom Brady. I want to hear about Dalvin Cook. 858 yards, uh, not counting last night's game. He leads 
the the league in rushing. He has 15 more rushing yards than Derrick Henry, and he's played one less game than Derrick Henry. He's got 12 rushing touchdowns, which is three more than Todd Gurley, who's played two more games than him. It's not a question. Swipe him right up for that. This is the year of the running back. Between him and Alvin Kamara, this is the year for a skill position player to win the MVP. But they'll probably just give it to Patrick Mahomes because that's what we're that, that's the league we're in. Uh, next matchup is Carson Wentz versus the Giants. Are you swiping left or swiping right? Swiping left. I don't trust Carson Wentz. And believe it or not, the Giants actually have a top 11 defense. Um, you saw how they stymied the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, they're, playing, they're playing solid. They're playing great. The Giants defense is playing great. Jabril Peppers, like this is Captain. the guy that they Captain. traded for. This is the guy they traded for when they traded Odell Beckham Jr. And I am swiping, I'm swiping left on Carson Wentz because between him and Daniel Jones, these are the two quarterbacks with the most turnovers in the league. And the Giants have their defense running. Patrick Graham, good for you. James Betcher sucked. And they took most of the same guys, and you're having a you're having a solid, spectacular season defensively. And you know what? They also have two pelts on the walls in terms of injuries. Pelts. So like not <laughs> not that you're not that you're rooting for injuries, but they do have that too. They hit you hard. They hit you hard. So I am saying that that I'm swiping left on Carson Wentz, and it is going to be an ugly game. Next up, we got her uh, Justin Herbert against. The Miami Dolphins, uh, Herbert, one of the leading candidates to get Rookie of the Year. He hasn't he hasn't won many games, but he's still putting up fantastic numbers. Are you swiping left or are you swiping right? This is a tough one for me because, like you've said, he hasn't won many games. And eventually he does need to win some games. But in terms of individual performance, this kid is balling out. But you know who else is balling out? The Dolphins' defense. So if they can make Jared Goff look mortal, I think they could do that to this kid too. I'm swiping left. I'm swiping right on this one only because I uh, saw what Kyler Murray was able to do. Um, I expect, you just want to be different. I, yeah, I expect, uh, Herb, <laughs> yeah, I expect Herbert to uh, have a similar game, maybe not as prolific, but, uh, but similar. And uh, he's starting on my fantasy team this week, so he better do well. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Next up, you heard that, Justin. Yeah. You heard that, Justin. <laughs> Next up, we have uh, Kyler Murray uh, versus the Bills. Uh, again, Kyler Murray is the leading uh, fantasy quarterback uh, in the last I don't know eight or nine years as far as points are concerned. He's really been lighting it up. Are you swiping left or are you swiping right? I'm swiping left on this one, especially after what I saw from the Bills' defense against Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. True. Also a mobile quarterback yeah. with a cannon for an arm. Yeah. Kyler Murray falls in that, but I like the Bills, so I'm going to swipe left on this one. Yeah, I'm going to actually swipe right, too. Um, I'm Oh, actually, I'm going to swipe right, not two, but I'm going to swipe right. I actually think he's going to play really well. I think Bills – uh, I believe this game is not being played in Orchard Park. I believe they're going to Arizona, so that changes things a bit. Um, I'm not giving Seattle a pass, but their biological clock was at 10 o'clock in the morning when they played. It might have factored. It's ticking there. like this. It, it, it might have factored into it, but um, 
I think uh, I think Murray will really turn it up this weekend again. He's going to keep that train rolling. A lot of weapons there. Um, a lot of good receivers. Um, and he's running all over the place. So I am swiping right. Time to see what's cooking this weekend. Sponsored by As You Eat It. Only on YouTube. That's A-Z. You eat it. Check it out today. It is time to see who we're taking this weekend, boys and girls. How'd you do last week? I had a fantastic week. I went nine and four. I crushed it. Nice. Uh, I, I had a pretty good week, too. I won eight. So I'll, I will take that and twice on Sunday. So we're going to start off with the Eagles and the Giants. I'm taking the Giants on this one. I really think that that defense plays. Wayne Gallman has been running the ball really well. Evan Ingram actually caught the ball. I was shocked. I think I wet my pants too. But uh, if they can keep Daniel Jones upright, if they can keep him from fumbling the ball or turning it over in any way, and if they can harass Carson Wentz, they're taking this one home. I got the Giants. Yeah, I'm taking Philly, actually. I just think, uh, you know, it's a divisional game. Divisional games are always tough. Uh, Philly defense is playing, playing playing well. I think they'll be ready for the Giants. Uh, I'm taking Philly. Okie doke. I mean, it, it's a shot. Like, both teams are thoroughly mediocre. So, it's, it's let's not be real here. It wouldn't be an upset either way. No. no. Uh, next up, Jags and Packers. To me, this isn't close. Aaron Rodgers is taking this one home. Yep, Aaron Rodgers all the way. Washington football team at Detroit. Who you got? I actually want to take uh, Washington in the upset. I think their defense is a uh, top five defense, believe it or not. Uh, Alex Smith will control the ball. They'll win a close one. I'm going to take the football team as well. I'm not sure about the Lions uh, skill position players. And, yeah, the, the defense, especially the, the front seven, they're too good for the Washington football team. So I'm hail to the football team, I guess. Next up, Texans at Brown. Oh, that's a great one. This is a great one. Yeah. But that being said, I'm going to take the Browns as much as it pains me to do so. Part of me is like, this is a game they're going to lose because this is a game they usually lose because they play down their competition. But – I don't know. I, I just see them having. I just see Kareem Hunt having a great game. Texans are terrible. They don't play very good defense. I'm taking the Cleveland Browns. Bucks at Panthers. I, I know you're tempted to take the Panthers, but uh, who you? Got? I'm taking the Panthers. I do think they keep, they're gonna they're gonna knock them again. They're gonna knock them out until the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can prove they have an identity. They're gonna lose to well-rounded teams like the Carolina Panthers. I think Brady has too much pride to lose this game and he will somehow find a way. He'll will this game, this team to victory this weekend. I'm going to take the bucks. Okay. I have Miami beating the charges. We both have Miami beating the chargers because the chargers have not proven to us that they can close. Right. Right. That's, That's definitely yeah. a problem. They're losing games by one, two, three. No. Not happening. So what's the creative way that they're going to lose this week? Uh, I say uh, a rabbit comes out of the stands and trips Justin Herbert as he's running to the end zone to score. Just I'm going I'm going with Sam Darnold with a steel chair. <laughs> Famouser. Famouser. 
Uh, Broncos at Raiders. Broncos at Raiders. I'm taking the Raiders. The Raiders are the better team. We're going. I'm riding with Vegas, baby. What happens in Vegas? Well, the whole world will see that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, Bills at Cards. I'm taking. Uh, I'm taking Arizona. I do think that uh, Buffalo is going into Arizona. If the team is the game is being played in Orchard Park, I'd probably fit, flip it around. But I think Buffalo goes down there and they lose a close one, 34-31. This is definitely on the short list for game of the week, believe it or not. You wouldn't think Cardinals-Bills. You get, Yeah, it's the short. It's on the short list for game of the week. And I'm going to take the Cardinals too. I, I'm, you know, as well as the Bills have played, I, I'm not 100% confident yet. You know, I'm, I just need to see a little bit more. And the Cardinals are going to win this. Game. I think the Saints keep the train rolling. They'll beat up on San Francisco pretty bad. They'll win that game. Yeah, it's not going to be close, unfortunately. The, the Saints are humming right now. And most importantly, they're healthy. At the end of the day, that's what's, that's what's going to be most important. Rams and Seahawks. Yeah, big game on the West Coast. Rams have to win this game. I have the Rams defense stepping up and uh, beating Seattle. It's going to be a shootout because it has to be a shootout. That's the only that's the only way that it's going to be because the Seattle Seahawks cannot stop a nosebleed. But the Rams like, play is, defense. The Rams do play defense. They the Rams got, do they play have defense. Pro bowlers on that side of the ball. They're gonna play. I think they're gonna play defense. I don't think I, I disagree with you. I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a hotly contested match. I think the Rams are going to run their offense, and Seattle's not going to be able to stop it. But I do no. think that the Rams are going to play defense. Yeah, the Rams are definitely going to win, but it's a question of how it's going to be. I can definitely see see it being ugly. I can definitely see it being tight. That's just the, the way it goes. That's what but he said. The, yeah, the bottom line is the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> can't play defense. Right. Uh, not a lick. And that at the beginning of the year, I've had them in the Super Bowl. You had them in the Super We had, you know. Like the game of competitive agreement, and we're both looking, you know, we're both looking like we got egg on our face with that <laughs> one. Uh, I have Pitt beating Cincinnati. Uh, they get a nice rebound uh, after not showing up in the first half in Dallas. The Steelers are going to win, but it's going to be close. No Joe, Joe Mixon. No Joe Mixon, I don't think. I think he's doubtful. He's doubtful, but you know what? Giovanni Bernard? He still got some tread on the tire, man. Picked him off the waiver wire too. I'm not saying he. There you go. That's a good. That's a good claim, guys. Just some fantasy advice for you. Gio Bernard's good for a touchdown a week. Trying to trade, especially. (laughs) But that being said, I'm not. I mean, they're going nine and zero. Steelers are going nine and zero. I got Baltimore beating New England. Same here. Not not, not much to talk about there. Yeah, Uh, which is crazy for the Patriots. Yeah. And then I actually have Minnesota beating Chicago. I think Minnesota's riding that Dalvin Cook train, the MVP Dalvin Cook train. Well, they the Bears have a shot. I'm taking the Vikings as well, but the Bears have a shot. Matt Nagy has given up play calling to Bill Lazor. So <laughs> fire the laser. See, we're gonna fire the Sharks with a freaking laser beam. Okay, laser. we're getting the laser. We're gonna get laser so, after you this weekend. We're gonna win this freaking game. Get the laser. Um, but we have Dalvin Cook. Oh, shit. Damn. Okay, you win. <laughs> damn it. Uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. Catch our 
podcast Friday nights on Anchor and other uh, podcast establishments. Uh, we will be back next week with some great sports talk. Uh, but until next time, keep it faded. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.